0: praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right. All right, well, good morning, church. Good morning. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Amen, amen. So happy to see you here this morning. If you're visiting with us, we will let you know you're an honored guest. And... Um, Today we've got a couple of uh, really cool things to talk about, and then we'll get into our lesson. Uh, one of the first things is, uh, is on Wednesday night we're going through a thing called Envino uh, Veritas. Right? Um, it comes from a, a slogan, uh, vino Veritas, which is sort of an idiom that says if people drink too much, they have a tendency to tell you things they wouldn't normally tell you. right? That's vino Veritas. Well, this one is invino Veritas, and it's the idea of looking into our... Um, modern poets, as it were, and gleaning some truth. Um, You say, well, Matt, where's precedence for that? Well, Acts 17, of course, Paul Mars Hill quotes the pagan prophets of the day and said, hey, and not only did he quote them, he agreed with them. He says, yeah, we are all God's offspring. So let me tell you a little bit more about this God. So the idea about this is to use some of the um, modern poets of our day uh, to be able to think intentionally about that and to see and to listen for, for God's Word, God's truth in those things. And this way we can transition into great conversations with our friends, with our neighbors, um, with people that we come in contact with. When you're riding up the elevator and a song comes on, you say, hey, you know what? This has to do with God. You can explain things to it. It's really about um, hearing from the poets of our day, but also learning to be intentional about our witness. Um, and so I encourage you to come out for that. Um, this week we're going to either listen to something from Sticks or uh, YouTube, one of the two. Uh, it's coming up. Last week it was Nine Inch Nails, and um, by via Johnny um, Johnny Cash, right? Uh, I didn't think we were ready for Nine Inch Nails uncensored, so we went a little Nine Inch Nails version of Johnny Cash, and it was a good turn. Um, so I encourage you to come out to that and be a part of that. Of course, we have a great potluck and great fellowship um, as well. Uh, <clears throat> I also want to put this on. The, I also want to put this on um, on our radar as well. uh Oh, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get the next slide to show up here. Oh, go back one. Yeah, shape. So this is going to be our discovery, uh, or sort of discipleship 201 course, right? We're finishing up the one we've been talking about, uh, living in God's love and invitation to Christian spirituality, and we're going to be transitioning into a series built on this uh, concept it's called shape. Um, shape is essentially uh, a way of connecting to our part in the story, right? So God is telling this story of restoration, as we've talked about many times in the past. Um, Part of our job as disciples is to discover the part that we play therein. Uh, And the way you go about discovering our part in the story is by looking at the shape, our shape. Um, We are shaped for um, purpose and ministry. And so we'll be looking at things such as spiritual giftedness, um, our heart's desires, um, abilities, our personality, and our experiences, right? Uh, that makes up the word shape, and that also is sort of the way we can get this, begin to discern how it is I'm supposed to be playing, or what part I'm supposed to be playing in this story that God is, is telling. Um, so that's our Discovery 201 uh, sort of course after uh, Living in God's uh, Love. But before we get to where we're going, let's talk a little bit uh, and wrap up where we have been. This is not, oh, here we go. Living God's Love um, is, uh, is, is really our, dis- our Discipleship 101 course. And um, the goal behind this was to um, have some material and and really develop a way, not the way, but a way to make disciples. Um, If churches aren't intentional about it, uh, sometimes discipleship is just something that we hope to happen. Um, But Jesus called us all to go and make disciples, to be intentional about the discipleship process. And so this is a way to do that. And it's really focused on uh, reaching people who are would deem themselves as spiritual rather than religious. Um, and there's a lot of people like that in our culture today who see themselves as a spiritual person, but not particularly a religious person. And this book uh, really takes us through three main concepts. <clears throat> yeah, um, you are going to have to click that up there. For some reason, this is not working. I don't know if the, if the mouse is not on uh, the right screen or something. Um, Number one, relationship with God, right? The book's first assertion is that we can have a relationship with God. Why? Uh, Because God initiates the story of restoration. Um, God has come after man time and time again. The story of Christianity is not man's desire for God or man seeking God. Uh, The story of Christianity is God's desire, God's coming after man. And so this relationship with God is possible. Um, and the reason that's important, of course, is that Christian spirituality um, is, is different than everything else. I've said this from the very beginning. It's just so important we get, uh, really get a hold of this. Um, regular, Christian, or regular spirituality is all about rules and practices and rituals that allows you to get in touch with the God that is self or the God that is the universe. Buddhism, transcendental meditation, these other forms of spirituality don't demand a personal relationship with God. Christianity does. Because Christianity is the mysterious process, or Christian spirituality rather, is the mysterious process of God within and working within us. And so it has to begin with a relationship. Every other form of spirituality, you can just do your thing and follow the rules and see what you come up with. And Christian spirituality begins with a relationship with God. The second thing, um, it is also about religious practices. See if we get this going now. Hey, here we go, hopefully. Uh, uh, the second phase was um, practices that are connected to uh, a committed relationship, right? So we begin with a relationship with God, and then we start focusing on some of the practices of a committed relationship. <clears throat> and really four C's, or three C's we talked about. And the first one was commitment. God has already committed to us. God is all the way in. Um, it's been said that if you feel distance, distance from God, guess who's moved? Right. It's not God. God is fully 100 percent invested uh, and committed to us. And so if our relationship with God is going to grow, it's about whether or not we will be committed to him. We talked about how baptism is an act of commitment of saying, God, I am yours. You are my king. Do with me as you see fit. Right. Commitment is is a big part of this. Then we talked about communication, We really broke communication down into two phases, Um, hearing from God through his holy word. Through the, the community of faith, through events and circumstances in life, and also through the interleading of the Holy Spirit. The other part of that is God hearing from us. And we've spent some time focusing on prayer, the Lord's Prayer in, in specific. Um, and we discovered that in there, um, not only is our communication uh, a matter of relationship with God, but it's really a matter of God shaping us for ministry. Uh, from there we talked uh, about communion. Not Lord's Table communion, but simply spending time with God. uh, Spending time in Sabbath with God. Um, And then last week we talked about confession and the importance of, uh, in our life, when God is moved from the center of our life, how everything begins to fall out of place, confession is agreeing with God that you're not where you're supposed to be in my life. And God, please come and be back at the center of my life and how repentance connects to that. Well, this morning we want to end the series by talking about our relationship with God and by proxy, our relationship with each other. Yep, we're going to have to click it the whole time. So, all right. So this really leads us into a discussion about uh, Christian spirituality and church. Right? Um, the book makes the premise that if we love God, we're going to love other people. Right? If we love God, we're going to learn to love other people. It's the same way with any kind of relationship. Um you can't love me and hate my children. It's not going to work that way. And it's not going to work that way with God, right? If you are, uh, for, for, for instance, if you are not in a, a sort of traditional marriage, you're getting married to someone who already has children, you can't say, hey, I'm going to love you and just not worry about your kids because i, just, I you know, just not on board with the kid thing, but I love you, right? Is that going to fly? It's not going to fly with God either. If you love God, you're also on board with loving God's people, which means there is a direct connection between Christian spirituality and church. Now, having said that, let me also say this. I am very thankful that this book doesn't lead with church. Have you noticed that? It's not until the very last chapter that it says, hey, you need to be committed or you need to be thinking about a local church. And I think that's really wise because in today's modern sort of consumeristic version of Christianity, uh, the gospel is often the gospel of my church. You should be a Christian because look at all the fun things and amazing things that we get to do as our church. Well, guess what? The gospel isn't the church. The good news isn't there's a community of faith. The goal of uh, and the end of the spear of the gospel is always a relationship with Jesus Christ. It must always be that. Um, And we need to make sure that we're telling the story that way, to make sure that that we don't see the church as the end, but as a means to what God is trying to accomplish, right? I was thinking about this week. Um, The church is sort of like a Home Depot, right? Think about it, right? Church is like a Home Depot. Um, If there is no building going on in the community, no maintenance going on in the community, why do you need a Home Depot. Right, the church has a purpose. It's not. It doesn't just exist. It exists for a purpose. Um, and, and so, uh, a church is like a Home Depot. We'll talk about that and pack that just a little bit uh, later. Now, church is not ultimate. Now, let me also say this: church is important. Right? Church isn't an ultimate, but church is important. Amen. And this is also equally important, and I would say almost probably more important when we're talking to our spiritual friends, because we live in a DIY society. Anybody know what a DIY stands for? Right? Do it yourself. Right? We live in a do-it-yourself society. Do You know that you can go online, and you can become your own ordained preacher, your own ordained pastor. California, it doesn't take much of anything. I think you can be a frog and do it, Right? Um, but you can. You can go online, pay your money, you can start your own thing, right? Um, this, is the, this is the culture that we live in today. Um, we do it ourselves. We don't need an expert. We don't need other people telling us what to do or how to do it. Or we don't need other people to, uh, to be accountable to. Um, my friend, uh, Matt Dabbs, who, who writes for the, the Wineskins, uh, it's an online magazine. He, uh, he posted a, a great article about digital church. You guys heard about digital church? Now... You get the best of church without all the stuff you don't want. It's called digital church. You get to show up in your pajamas. Uh, you get to start it at any time you wanted to start it because uh, it's on record. So you can play it at 11 or 12 or, or noon or I guess that's 12, uh, 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, however you want to do it, right? And you don't have to worry about the parking. You don't have to worry about, um, guess what? You don't have to worry about the people, right? How many guys have ever heard that phrase, church would be great without all those people, Right? Now you got it. Now you have the digital church, right? So we live in a culture now where people feel like church is optional. I can show up or not show up. I can be a part of a community or not be a part of a community. It doesn't really matter. Well, again, it matters, it matters a great deal. Uh, And so this book says, listen, church is not ultimate. So it doesn't start with, hey, let's let's see if you're doing church right and come to our church if you're not. It's, hey, here's Jesus Christ. And oh, by the way, if you love Jesus, you love God, you're going to love his people. So I I like the fact that it comes last. But it's also important because church is important. Church is a gathering. That's what the word means, by the way. Gathering. Uh, I know preachers over the years have taken this word and we have made it into like, these great sermons, right? Because the Greek word is ekklesia, right? To be called out. And, uh, and then you, from there, of course, in that sermon, the called out. You're, you're called out from the world. You're called out from your sins. You're called out from your whatever. And you just go down a line. I know you've heard that sermon before. Um, uh, that's great. It's good. it's good rhetoric. But the reality is, is the word church, before it was a religious term, just meant gathering. And usually in the first century, it, it connected to like the, uh, the trade guilds, had, had gatherings. Um, in Acts, where Paul brings a, is brought into the assembly and into the theater, all the people connected to the silver industry, that was kind of a church. It was a gathering of like-minded people. A, a, a gathering that's connected to a purpose and to, um, and to a common goal, right? Right? And so I think this is an important conversation to have because um, a lot of times our, our spiritual friends wonder, what's the point of church? Well, they have a good question. A, a church shouldn't just be a Home Depot in the middle of the Arctic Circle with nothing to do. A church should have a goal. It should have a, a purpose. And in part, that's, that's why we're doing this kingdom concept thing here at New Beginnings. We're trying to figure out what is our purpose in Amherst, right? Right? We're gathered for a purpose, and the purpose is to see that God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Specifically, here in Amherst. And so we are actually going through and trying our best to define and understand where it is in Amherst that is furthest from the kingdom of God. And seeing, as a church, what we can do to lean into that. Right? Why? Because there's no reason for a Home Depot if we're not building anything. Amen? That's the point of church. It has to be more than just, I'm comfortable, I'm here. We have to be about something. Um, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Right. So that is our outward purpose. But there's also an inward purpose. right? Um, and that inward purpose has to do with the building up of the body of Christ. And I want to share with you four things I believe the church um, can do um, and is called to do uh, in the body of Christ um, in connection with spiritual, uh, Christian spirituality. And the first one is this. The first thing the church is supposed to do is get batteries for the remote. Worship. <laughs> <coughs> right? Uh, one of the things we do collectively and so important as a body of Christ is we worship collectively together. And I just want to say, our worship this morning, I, I don't know about you, but I was definitely moved by the worship this morning. Seems like everyone was singing. Isn't it great when everyone sings? You know, Even if you don't feel like it, even if it's a little high or a little low, even if it's a little fast or a little slow, isn't it great that when everyone just begins to lift their voice and praise God together? It's a beautiful thing. Um, I was challenged this week, I'll be honest with you, uh, by this concept of worship. Uh, My friend, the same guy, Matt Dabbs, was talking about, um, what if we thought of worship like we were going to a birthday party? He so said, what have you thought about going to worship as going to a birthday party? Um, and his point was, is oftentimes we, we begin to think of worship and church as a place that's designed to meet our needs. We begin to think of church as a place to, to make us feel good about ourselves and to do something for us. And um, Instead of going to a worship service to think about what I can contribute We end up going to church and wondering, what have you done for me lately, right? Um, And he said, what do you think about going to church and worship as a birthday party? Isn't it kind of, I mean, have you ever complained at someone else's birthday party? You ever show up and be like, hey, they're not serving chocolate cake. What the heck, man? I'm out of here, you know? You don't don't complain at other people's birthday party typically. I mean, maybe you do. I don't know. Um, But think about that. Think about that. It's not about us. It's about it's about God. I thought, that's a great... And isn't that cool, too? Ever been to someone else's birthday party you don't know any of their friends? You, you know what the conversation's like? It's not like you, you come in and it's Bill's birthday party. I've never seen Melissa before. and I'm thinking, what do we have in common? Bill. Right? How do you know Bill, right? That's kind of what church is like, right? We, we may not have a whole lot of things in common, but guess what we all have in common? His name is Jesus. Right, And we're all saved by this same king. And I just thought, wow, what a great metaphor to think about church as a birthday party. Maybe instead of coming and wondering, hey, am I, is there going to be a piñata? Do I get something? Maybe, maybe we come and we think, hey, what have I brought? What have I brought? Have I brought a gift? Right, Because worship is all about getting the attention off of us. And getting the attention back on where it's supposed to be, on God. This is what it says. It says, they, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Doing what? Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right? They, they praise God. That's what God does. You see, um, that's what worship does. Is worship, worship says, God is God and you are not. Everything else in the world is trying to put you in the position of consumer. Everything else in the world is trying to put, put you in the position of the one who's, who's bringing things into their lives. C- worship comes and brings you in and says, you need to make sure God is God, right? That's why we sing the songs we do about God, that God is God that I'm not, right? Worship helps us with our identity. Worship helps us with our dignity. Because if you're, if you're worshiping a false God, if you're worshiping a, a functional God, if you're worshiping at the God of your work, at the God of your, your hobbies, at the God of your passions, at the God of your family, things are going to be dysfunctional in your life. It's not going to lead to dignity. It's going to leave a wake in its, in, its, in its trail. And so worshiping God and only allowing God to be God in your life is what worship is all about. And of course, it also builds our relationship. Because when we ascribe things like, God, you are holy, we think about God the next time we think thinking about doing something we should. we ascribe things to God as a loving Father, then we aren't as hesitant to go to God in prayer the next time we need Him. If we ascribe to God a God of mercy, of, of kindness, of goodness, of justice, then we go to God in times of trials. Right? So worship is a reorienting sort of factor. Christian spirituality, again, right, it's it's the mysterious process of God at work in you. And the thing that gets in the way the most is when we try to be God for ourselves. And so worship comes back in, moves you off the throne, and encourages you to put God back in its place. The second thing uh, worship does is allow us times of discernment. In fact, we just talked about this in Kirk class uh, this morning, right toward the end. How important it is to, to, to discern collectively together the challenging things in our life. Um, and I think because we live in such an individualistic society and um, we, we value uh, doing it our way, we, we value this, um, uh, this autonomy. We value um, the, the the safety of autonomy that sometimes we don't, we don't think together as, as well as we should. Sometimes we think together when everything has gone bad. We, then we think, oh man, I, I'm going to go to my brothers and sisters and see, can they help me with... Um, the raising of my children? Can they help me with um, choosing a good career path? Can they help me with my hurts, my habits and hang-ups? Community discernment is is an important piece. Matthew 18, 19-20 says, Again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by their Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. Now, I think there's a qualification here I want to add. This passage gets a lot of use. I think it kind of gets a lot of abuse. Because the notion is the idea that if there's a couple of us, it's more significant than just one of us. Right? That God will show up if there's a couple, but not if there's one. Right? I've heard people, they don't argue it that way. What they usually say is, hey, there were three of us here. Hey, whenever two or three together, God must show up. Well, God shows up in the life of the individual just as He does in the life of the community of the saints. Amen? Right? He's not absent. Ever, But I believe the passage does really lean in on this idea that there should be a community discernment process in our lives. That that we shouldn't just think individually, that we should also think collectively about things. That was uh, some of the wisdom behind having the whole assembly, right? There at the, um, the cities of refuge, so we can think collectively. There's wisdom collectively together. I'll give an example of this. <clears throat> this week, uh, Joshua remember this. We were at uh, We Care, We Share, and uh, Shane came in. Uh, Shane was a good guy. Shane reminds me of... Well, I'm going to say this, but it, don't take this as a negative thing. Uh, Shane kind of reminds me of, of Gollum. You guys know who Gollum is? Um, Gollum is also um, Smeagol. Smeagol from the Lord of the Rings. Uh, he's, he's this character that is torn apart. He, he is quite literally the definition of sort of this bipolar identity. Um, and Shane, obviously, he didn't look like gone, right? But Shane was of two minds. Shane would come in and uh, uh, Shane came over to the, the side where the lady at the care source uh, was talking to him. And uh, she was trying to get him hooked up with care source and insurance. And he just started laying on her all of all of his issues. Like, this is what's going on. He hasn't worked in 14 years. He was hurt. He died on the table, and he came back to life. They brought him back to life. He's got like this uh, this uh sort of like, um, he called it a bulletproof, what is it, Cavalier? Not Cavalier. Cavlar. Cav-lar. He had this Cavlar sort of thing going on in his stomach, and he, he was just like, yeah, God saved me for some reason. And then at the same time, I'm not kidding, like two seconds later, he was like, but I think... God's angry at me because my life is not going the way it should be. I lost my dad. I lost my mom. I lost this and right. So on one side he's like, "Hey, God is for me. God is for me. God is saving. God's doing the same." And I'm the same breath. He's like, "But I think God's after me." And I, I, don't know if I believe in God anymore. Have you ever been there? I think we all get a little like smug every once in a while. We get a little. Bipolar, we get a little dissidence between, we know God is good, but man, my life stinks, so I don't know if, if belief helped my unbelief. It was really just, a, it was really just a, a remarkable thing to watch. And what's really cool about We Care, We Share is that even the insurance lady says, hey, come over here, Pastor. And so me and Josh and her, we took this guy into the room, all three of us, and we did a little group discernment. And Josh was like, hey, you know what? You, don't, you can't give up on this. What are you talking? You, you, can't, you can't stop right now. You've got to keep moving. And she was talking about how, you know, in the last days, her eschatology is way different. But she's like, in the last days, you know, people are going to start doubting. She said, you need to hold fast. You need to confess Jesus. And, and I'm like, dude, you've got to stop interpreting events and go back to the word of God. Because that's where the objective truth is. You can't look at your life and say, God must be angry. There's a red light. God must be happy. There's a green light. doesn't work that way. you are going to drive yourself crazy. And for like 20 minutes, we had this group discernment going on. It was glorious. And what was fascinating about it is Josh and I were both debating early on. That, should we go home? Because it was like 2.30, Bill, right? And it was a little low in numbers. We were like, do we stay or do we go? And we're like, ah, we'll stay. And thank God we did because Shane wouldn't have, wouldn't have had some group discernment. But that's what we do, right? It's more demonstrative when it comes to Shane. But isn't that what we should be doing every time we come together? It's like, hey... You know what? You need to doubt your doubts and start trusting your faith. God is good. Yeah. Right? Group discernment is a powerful thing. So important in a life of spiritual, spirituality. And then, of course, there's also the idea of spiritual mentorship. Um, Proverbs. uh, What is that? I can't even read that. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end, you'll be counted among the wise. You know, um, how many of you guys like, um, what's his name? Matthew McConaughey, right? I dig that guy, right? I uh, He's like my best friend. Right? He doesn't even know it. Um, no, he's just so cool, right? He's, he's a really cool guy, right? Texan, he got on stage one time, and he was like, let me tell you about this award. And he actually did a good he got. He said, Three things I need. He goes, I need something to look up to. He says, I need something to look forward to. And there's something I need to chase. And I thought, Oh, that's cool. And he goes, Yeah, God is who I look up to. My family is who I look forward to. And my career is who I chase. And I thought, Matthew, you're on to something there, buddy. Um, but you know what? I would add one thing. Right? I would add one thing. And we need to, do, we need to have someone to do it with. We need other people. We need spiritual friends. We need people whose commonality isn't just our hobbies, but whose commonality is they're moving in the same direction as us. We need spiritual friends. And that's what church provides. It provides people like Matt, who's going to come up and kiss a grown man on the cheek, right? It's going to provide marriage class, where we get to sit down and talk. To each other about real things it's, it's about when things go bad and things go good someone who's going to be in the mix and in the concrete with you real godly friendship it's not, a, it's not an option we need it so question for you, do you have one? do you have a friend in faith? if you don't everyone raise your hand Come on. No, no, not if you don't. That sounded weird, huh? If you don't have a friend, raise your hand. No. Uh, everyone, in the sound of my voice, who's willing, raise your hand. All these guys are willing to sign up to be a friend. Right? Amen? Everyone needs a friend. One of the, fascinating, one of the great things that, that, that Josh did that day at We Care, We Share, is he pulled out his peer support thing and gave it to Shane. He said, call me. Dare night, we'll talk. Will we do that for each other? Call me dare night. I know Matt will do that. Matt calls me all the time. It's so cool. It's like the first time members called me without me being in trouble. Usually, if I get a call midweek from somebody, I'm like, oh man, what did I do? I stepped on it. I stepped in it. I didn't do something. I, you know, and you know, in, whatever, right? Matt called me the first couple times, I'm thinking, oh man. What did I do now? You know? And it wasn't, it was like, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> Just read my Bible. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Uh, but right, I mean we need we need friends. We need honest to goodness friends. Mentorship. And I think I think it's important we do a three sixty thing too, right? Some people that are ahead of us in life, someone in the same place in us, and someone behind us in a different place in life. So helpful. Christian spirituality doesn't have to be a burden. It can be a blessing, especially when we have friendship, when we have worship to remind us who God is, when we have, um, when we have group discernment, when we can think collectively about important issues, when we have friends to come alongside us, and when we have an opportunity to serve. Um, Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. I'm going to read it up here because it's, I can't barely read it back there. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Now, the thing I want to point out about this particular passage is that word sacrifice. So... The letter to the Hebrews was all about getting the Jewish Christians out of Jerusalem before the destruction of Jerusalem took place. The reason it was tough to move Christians who were Jewish, of Jewish descent out of Jerusalem is because Judaism and, Jewish, uh, and the temple and everything was there. That's where God was for so many years of their life. And so how do you move them away from this place where all the sacrifices take place, where all their religion is taking place? How do you move them from religion to this relationship? Well, the the Hebrew letter comes in and and spells out that Christ, in Christ, we have satisfied every need that the law would ever have. And Christ is so much better than than what they had in the past. And so it's really focusing on getting people away from this uh, religion, religiosity sort of way of doing things into placing their faith into the person of Christ. And so... The fact that the Hebrew writer comes back at the end of Hebrews and says, these are the sacrifices that God is expecting. is really potent. That's not just a random word. That means a lot because the whole time he's been saying, Jesus is a sacrifice. Jesus is a sacrifice. It's him. It's him. It's him. And when he comes back here, he says, but you know what sacrifice God's still looking for? And guess what it is? Share with other people. I, I believe me, that hit home that was a heavy word to hear okay I'm not sacrificing in the temple I'm sacrificing my sacrifices is sharing with others again you can't love God and not love his people you can't be uh you can't be in a in a relationship with a with another person and not care for their children you cannot. Not love God's people. It's not permitted. God says, you loved me, you love others. In fact, he goes on some of the harshest terms, like in 1 John, he says, if you hate your brother, you hate me. Because they're made in the image of God, just like me. You, can't, you, you have to love people. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit helps us with that. Amen? Because <laughs> it's not always easy to love people. Amen? Amen. But with the grace of God... We can love anybody. Grace of God greases the gears in our personal relationships. So this is, this is the end of our Living in God's Love series. I have five copies on order. I know I have a couple to give to people. Um, and then we're going to put the rest in the, in the foyer so uh, visitors or people would like to explore them can have them. Um, this is our discovery. This is our Discipleship 101 course. And um, I, I encourage you to, to use this with, uh, uh, with your friends, your neighbors, to have small groups with these, uh, with these books. Um, and hopefully through this process, you've grown in your own understanding of Christianity. Christianity is not about what we're doing for God. Christianity is all about what God is doing in us. Totally, totally different paradigm. Um, and it's so much healthier that way, so much better that way to have a relationship with God. It's, it's not surface, it's systemic, it's... It's sustaining. It will, it will keep you. Um, and uh, I guess, you know what I want to do? I, I, I failed to say this at the beginning, but I, I, want, to, I want to ask you all to stand up. Um, and, you know, Addie said that was one of her favorite passages. Why is that one of your favorite passages? Not to put you on spot in front of everyone. Because i like to imagine that that would be what our church family is. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a foreshadow of heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. I love Acts two forty two and 47 for the same reason, because it's what the early church was. It was just organic. It was awesome. It was, it was amazing. Have you ever wondered what the miracles were that the apostles were doing, that everyone was like, oh, right? I would have just, wouldn't it have been awesome just to be in a moment like that? And I wonder what song would be playing at a moment like that. Well, this morning I, I was messing around, and I, I came across a song that at least for me makes sense that it would be playing at a time like that. And so uh, this morning, let's, let's, let's go Acts 2.42 for a second. Let's all praise God together. Why are we going the opposite way? It. No, nope, it's all the way at the end. There we go. Keep it going. There we go. Yeah, let's worship God. is changing now for the spirit of spirit good right Amen. Amen. to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only god our savior be glory majesty power and authority through jesus christ our lord before all ages now and forevermore be blessed church